I mean, normally I'd be saying, please be seated. <laughs> but Reverend Nate and I are here in this empty sanctuary. And you all are where you might be if you were to miss a church service on Sunday. And instead of seeing your bright faces, I see this little camera right in the middle of the aisle. And most of you are seeing little me, little Reverend Nate, little JK, little singers. And our service is quite different this morning. We're doing morning prayer instead of the Eucharist because we can't quite consecrate bread and wine through the internet. Yet our, quench, our, our thirst for worship is being quenched. We're being spiritually fed right now. And it feeds me to know that you are here. It feeds us to welcome back to our congregation this morning some of you who've moved away and some of you who we miss very much. So welcome. It also feeds us to welcome newcomers this morning, those of you who've just found us online, and especially those faraway friends and families who members of our community have invited to church. So welcome. It feeds us all to worship together, to pray as usual, to hear scripture as usual, now to have this, the sermon, as usual. Because as Paul writes, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor thing present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation, even COVID-19, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. God's love overflows all the time. And it overflows in the gospel reading this morning about Jesus' uh, conversation with the Samaritan woman. And we see the impact of this outpouring of Jesus' grace and acceptance and love for her, the impact of how transformative this encounter is for her, because at the end, she drops her jug, leaves it at the well, and runs back to the village to tell everyone about it, to invite them to come and see the one whose love she has felt so deeply. She thinks he may be the Messiah. This is such an important conversation, such a potent conversation, that is the longest one Jesus has with anyone in all the Gospels. It's so long, in fact, that if you were all here in church, I'd be considering, or I would have considered, having you sit down to hear it rather than stand. And this is a conversation, this long conversation Jesus is having is with someone he shouldn't be talking with. Because Samaritans were considered heretics. Men weren't supposed to talk to women alone. Never mind women when they're far away from people, far out by the village well. So right here at the outset, we see God's abundant love reaching beyond cultural boundaries and embracing outsiders. And Jesus' love is reaching beyond barriers even within her village and within her own heart. 
because having had five husbands and now not being married likely meant that she was impoverished. And she may have been shunned for whatever circumstances led to having so many husbands, led her to being with a man she's not married to now. So she is shocked when Jesus tells her that he knows her marital history without her even having told him. He doesn't judge her. He doesn't condemn her. Instead, he offers her living water, water he describes as being so incredibly life-giving that those who drink of the water will never be thirsty. In talking about her marital history, Jesus names her deepest wounds. And Jesus names our deepest wounds and knows them before we even speak, uh, speak them. Jesus knows our deepest shame, regrets, and fears. And then Jesus tells her and tells us, I love you. I, ex I totally accept you. And with me, you have living water of eternal life. My eternal love, my eternal life is with you. So right now with all the chaos and upheaval of what's happening with the COVID spread of COVID-19, could there be a better message for us? Fear abounds. Uncertainty abounds. And so many things that are anchors in our lives are shutting down and are being stripped away. And it's scary. We're left with ourselves. We're left with the thirst for safety, thirst for certainty and normalcy, and we are grabbing onto all sorts of stuff to help feel secure. First it was the toilet paper <laughs> and the tissues, then hand sanitizer and antiseptic wipes, and on Friday, I went out to pick up some staples, some milk, and a few other things we'd run out of. I couldn't even get into the parking lots of three different grocery stores because they were so jammed. And yesterday at CVS down the block, no more light bulbs, no more batteries, razors, razor blades, they're all gone, even toothpaste. And then there's the run on water. And that one baffles me. I can't figure out how the coronavirus will stop taps from flowing. So how amazing is it then that the gospel reading appointed for this morning, not a gospel reading we decided to choose for this morning, that this gospel reading is reminding us of the real water we need in this time of trial, the living water of God's love. And this is water we already have. It's flowing in us from Jesus, from God. And we are reminded this morning that when that living water of love quenches, flows, it quenches the deepest thirsts of our souls. And when that quenching happens, we are to share that love, just like the Samaritan woman running into the village and telling everyone we are to go into the villages of our lives, into our families, our work communities, our organizations, and yes, even in our congregation, to give that love to one another. 
This is the loving our neighbor commandment. This is what it's all about. On Thursday, Reverend Nate and I were on a conference call for local leaders of faith communities and was hosted by the head of the LA Department of Public Health, Barbara Ferrer. She told us that this is the time we all need to care for one another. We're beyond just worrying about high-risk people, and we're beyond just worrying about the ones who are sick. Those of us who are healthy may be carrying the virus even though it isn't making us sick. So we all need to put enough distance between ourselves so that the virus doesn't hop from one to the other and so that our medical system is not overloaded. So our challenge before us today is how do we share the living water of God's love when we can't physically be together? How do we share this love when we are living responsibly into social distancing? Now, social distancing doesn't mean spiritual distancing, and that's the gift that we have, the spiritual connection with one another and a connection with God's living water that we can give. This living water is a water of peace, the water of hope, and water that stills the turmoil of fear and anxiety. And with that love and peace, we can be a non-anxious presence for one another and with ones we love. And with that love, our challenge is to look for creative ways to be forces for calm in the storm. I heard a story from a school chaplain back east yesterday that some little boy decided instead of setting up a lemonade stand, he'd set up a toilet paper stand <laughs> and sell toilet paper that they had in excess. We can look at creative ways that other communities who are further along in the contagion and who are on much stricter lockdowns than us are trying to share love. I'm so moved that in Italy, in some city centers, people are organizing times to open their windows of their apartment buildings and sing together, creating a community of song. We've never done this before. This is a great opportunity to learn how to be loving neighbors in a new way. So with this love, we can move forward. Mr. Rogers used to tell children when things got scary and he talked with them after 9-11 and other major national crises, the assassination of President Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. Mr. Rogers used to say, when things get scary, look for the helpers. So now is the time for us to be the helpers, to be God's helpers, to be God's helpers regardless of what comes, to feel, feed that help with the living water of God's love. So may that living water, the love of, the living water of love and peace and hope fill us and flow through us to one another now and evermore. Amen. Amen.